What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football, Bleacher Reports, College Football and NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Miller. Joined, as always, on Wednesday, my man, Connor Rogers. And Connor, the allergies that Mello fought through last week, I now have them. So thoughts and prayers that my vocal cords make it through this hour that we're going to hang out today. Well, it terrifies me because that means it's making its way towards New York and it'll hit me too. So let's hang on until because we got a pretty, pretty big week next week, Matt. We got a Tuesday night event that will start at 6 p.m. at the Bleacher Report office. We're going to have details for you guys very, very soon on how to sign up. There will be a limit. First come, first serve. So keep an eye out for that. It's going to be a live show. It's going to be an open beer bar, some food. It's something that you won't want to miss at our Bleacher Report space, especially if you're a sticky in this Northeast area. We've been cranking out daily podcast episodes. If you have a smart speaker, all you have to do is ask for your stick to football news briefing. Matt, you'll hear Matt's voice for two minutes every day on the latest NFL, NFL draft news, and eventually college football news. And, of course, our actual draft plans. If you want to watch a different version of the draft coverage, tune in with us Thursday and Friday. It'll be me, Matt, Adam Lefko grading every single pick on Bleacher Report's Twitter, Bleacher Report's YouTube, the Bleacher Report app. And then Saturday is Stick to Football Saturday, the first one ever. It'll be me, Matt, and Mello in New York City covering rounds four and five. And by the end of the draft, you'll have team draft grades videos in the Bleacher Report app for all 32 teams. That covered all, Matt? You did it, man. And I am I love you because you know my voice is struggling and you're like, you know what? Got to run with it. I want to read the announcement Hell today. no. <laughs> Let me do it. That's why we're best friends. And dude, I, I was thinking about that. Like we've told everybody about all our pod podcast plans and our video plans. I will have a seven round mock draft come out next Ooh. week. My final big board comes out next week. Uh, Mello and Jared Brown and I are cranking through draft 400, finalizing all those profiles. So those are still dropping. And then immediately after, so I believe the Tuesday after the draft, my 2020 mock draft hits. So it is a, it's a whirlwind these next two weeks. Um, if you've been waiting for content from me, uh, you're going to get it. You're going to get overwhelmed with it uh, within the next 10 days. And once again, keep letting us know what you like, what you don't like. We've loved the iTunes reviews coming in with a lot of great questions, a lot of great feedback. This show is and will always be for the loyal stickies. So we love hearing that kind of stuff from you guys. And we can't wait to meet a lot of you Tuesday of draft week at the Bleacher Report office. Like I said, details will come for that. But Matt, we got to get into some stuff around the league before we do our full rumor show. This show will include team by team buzz for every single, even if your team doesn't have a first round pick in this draft, we will try to get news or nugget to you in this show about what their plans might be for round two, three, four, five, six, or seven. But first, around the league, Russell Wilson, Matt, we were talking about this on the Monday show. Could he be moved? Would he, you know, really stick to this deadline? And finally, we have an answer here. And he stuck to the deadline. I want to give him credit. They, I finally went to bed last night around 1230 Central Time. I was like, God, I don't know if this is going to happen. And of course it happened like almost immediately after that. So uh, good, good on Russ, good on his agent uh, to get this thing done. I'm happy he's staying with Seattle. Like Me too. I, I think, you know, sometimes you like a player just becomes that team. And he's so beloved in that community with all the charity work that he does. He's a Seahawk to me. And I, I think not only that, from a football standpoint, this was the right move. Even if you were going to get four picks for him, this is the right move because there's no guarantee that those four picks will become a player who I actually think that Russell Wilson, when he, when it's all said and done, we're going to have to talk about him as a Hall of Fame quarterback. And he's only 30 years old. He's not close to being done. So I think it's smart by Seattle to lock that type of player up and to, to say, you know what, you're important to us. We're going to give you $35 million a year average over the, the life of this uh, four-year extension that he gets. So I'm excited for him, man. I'm really excited for our guy Patrick Mahomes, who's probably going to get forty or forty-five million a year when when they give him an extension in Kansas City. This was the right move. When you look at Seattle, no trade could make up for having a top-five quarterback in his prime on your roster. And I'm still a believer. We have not seen the best yet from Russell Wilson. I think if they get more pieces around him, this is a team that has the type of superstar quarterback that could bring them back to the Super Bowl in any given year. So he's sitting right now highest paid annually at $35 million per year. He gets over $100 million in guarantees, earned every single penny of it, and Seattle was wise for getting this done. So 
I think when you look at it, once again, there's just no price. that No matter if they got two first-rounders back on a player, three first-rounders back in a two, none of that would have been worth getting rid of him because who's to say how long? You can't take finding a franchise quarterback, especially outside of round one, with high character and everything you want in a leader. You can't take that for granted, Matt. I mean, I could sit here as a Jets fan and tell you, hopefully Sam Darnold is the guy. I believe he is, but... It could be a very, very long time before you find one again. So I think Seattle made the right move here. I don't care about the money. We always call the salary cap fake. And it this, is. This had to get done. Yeah, the salary cap is just going to go up. You know, there's going to be a new CBA in two years, hopefully. Uh, fingers crossed. We don't want to work stoppage. But that who knows what the salary cap is going to look like. The players might get a bigger share of it. The only thing that, that I was a little surprised about was that he did not stick to the the rumor was he wanted a percent of the salary cap, you know, maybe it's 15%, whatever. And instead they did go to a, a year by year salary structure. That's the only thing that surprised me as far as this goes. But I, I still think that someone's going to try to do that. Maybe well, it'll be Pat. I maybe was going to say, maybe it'll be Jared Goff. Someone, someone should still try to do this. I'll tell you what, if anybody has the leverage to do it, it's the best young quarterback in football. And that's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he could yeah. sit at the bar. How you can't let him walk. no, and, and they want to get the deal done like the day that it's possible. Now, I, I think I don't want to say he's too nice of a guy, but he might almost be too nice of a guy you to hold them hostage be. like that. And I, so I actually think that the percent style could be more team friendly um, in some ways because, sure. you know, now, obviously it's more money. If the cap goes up, your salary goes up. But at least, you know, you have a set designation that, OK, I know that 12 percent of my salary cap is going to Pat every year. And you could build around that better. Um, and you would think it would keep the player happier long term to where you might not have guys like A.B., Le'Veon Bell, who get into their contract, say, you know what, Julio Jones, this isn't enough money. I need more. You'd be like, no, 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 we we agreed, man. You get this much of the cap. Stick with it. So I, I'm I'm really excited to see. You know, we don't cover the NFL a lot on this podcast, just with so much college football and NFL draft. But the CBA stuff will be something that you know, I'm going to be really interested in. And watching to see how that unfolds. And spoiler alert, we might be covering the NFL a lot once again. We'll see coming into the season. We do we do it all around here on Stick to Football. Yeah. So we'll see. One more True thing. To the name, right? Yeah, yeah all I mean, we do is on. stick to football. Uh, rest in peace, AAF. But around, <laughs> one last <laughs> oh, thing man. around the league. Our very good friend of the show, Daniel Jeremiah, says his percentage of being sure Kyler Murray goes first has gone down to 60%. What do you take from this, Matt? Well, I also think like DJ is like just a funny human being. Yeah. And I'm sure he's like, guys, 60% still means I think it's going to happen. Um, you know, like if the weatherman says there's a 60% chance of rain, it's going to rain, right? It's like 60 and 90% aren't that much different when it comes to that. Uh, that so that's kind of how I look at it. Um, I haven't talked to DJ in a while. Like this is a busy time of year for both of us. So I'm trying not to bother him. I would imagine that that he still firmly believes Kyler Murray will be the pick, but uh, I have actually told some of my NFL contacts that last week there was some, you know, like agents, especially were like, man, we're starting to hear it might not happen. So I'm like immediately calling a lot of the people who have been adamant to me that it is going to happen. I'm like, guys, what the hell? Like, you need to tell me if you hear something different. And they're like, no, man, those are just agents trying to like drum up buzz for their guy or, you know, just trying to trying to throw you guys off. So don't worry about it it's still going to be Kyler Murray. And I, I still believe that. I really do. Even with, you know, whatever you want to say as the the reason, you know, like, oh, maybe they actually like Josh Rosen. Man, they haven't acted like they like Josh Rosen at all. And it, it just, it doesn't seem like the moves that they've made point to, yeah, we really like Josh Rosen. And this was all just an elaborate three-month smokescreen of us making our franchise quarterback think we don't like him. That doesn't seem like the smartest play. That would be a bizarre strategy. And when you look at this whole thing, I think a lot of people's you know heads turned when Ian Rappaport, also of NFL Network, said he's heard that Quinton Williams will be taken in the top two selections. So then you sit there and you go, well, this podcast is a firm believer the 49ers are taking Nick Bosa. So does that mean Quinton Williams is going number one? And there's something we don't know about. So I actually didn't see that he said that. That's really interesting. Yeah, he, it was a couple of weeks, maybe like a week or two ago. Um, when it comes down to it, I don't think he is going in the top two picks and we're going to get into that very soon with these rumors here, but yeah, it's, I, I'm, I'm standing by, I think Kyler Murray is the first overall pick. 
even if they didn't take him, they would have some serious explaining to do for yeah. like it, it would have to be like, what were they going for in all of this? Were they trying to get a team to trade up? Were it, it's Which just is it, odd. It was just not done right if that was the case. So I, I understand there. Are, this is the craziest time of year, too. I mean, as we record this podcast, we're less than 10 days out from the NFL draft and we're pretty much taught anything you hear around this time. Don't believe it unless it's from like your most trusted source, best friend, friend source. in yeah. the world. And sometimes they will even lie to you for the greater hey man, gain. I, I know I've been asked on Twitter and we have a little bit of time. So I'll jump into this. People say like, what would change? Like we've been so confident that Kyler Murray will grow first, first overall. What could change at this? This is the time of year when you present your draft plan to your owner and Michael Bidwell could say, no, you traded up last year to get Josh Rosen, make it work. We hired uh, an offensive mastermind to fix Josh Rosen, make it work. That could still happen. I think it's unlikely, but this time of year, we all get our information from scouts, coaches, directors, and GMs. I don't talk to owners. Like I, I, I mean, I have, but I don't need to for my day to day. But an owner can come in over the top. And say, no, we're not doing that. We're this is what we're doing. And that's what you have to go with. That guy's the boss. So if anything could change within the next 10 days, that's the only thing that I could really see really mixing up what we've thought all along. Which some owners are super impulsive. Jimmy I mean Haslam. the the list goes on and on. I mean, when you and I are both done with our careers in this field, we can tell the story together of how one great yeah. player for one franchise was almost never the case. So when it comes down to it, yeah, owners are impulsive and they could change everything up, but I'm with you all the way. That's that's the one main thing. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we are going to have rumors and buzz for the draft for every single team. We are back. It is time. Team by team buzz for all of these teams in the NFL draft, not just the ones picking in the first round. Let's start with an easy one here, Matt. The Arizona <laughs> Cardinals are first on the clock. What is the buzz around them? It, Like we said, man, it's still Kyler Murray. That is still the buzz. And I'll extend that to round two. What I've heard is O-line or maybe a wide receiver because, you know, Larry Fitzgerald's getting older. They do really like Christian Kirk there. But looking at it now, if Kyler Murray goes first, I wouldn't be surprised to see someone like Dalton Reisner, maybe Greg Little be that pick at the top of round two. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, this is a team that has a lot of repairing to do on the offensive line. I know Kyler Murray is fast. I know he can extend plays. I wouldn't say that means just ignore the offensive line and hope for the best. So locked in Kyler Murray at one. I, I mean, if there was any other kind of pick here that shocks the world, I could see them taking Quinn and Williams. Now, I'm putting that not at the the 40% chance. I'm putting that at like the 5 like one to five. Yeah, I think that's where you put it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be Quinn and Williams. If they had a player that wasn't a quarterback that was atop their board, I believe it would be him. So nothing too surprising with the Cardinals here. But you make a you bring up a good point. It'll be curious to see how they build their team throughout the rest of this draft. Next up, the San Francisco 49ers. I know you and I agree on this. This is something that we've heard while others have not necessarily agreed, but we think it's Nick Bosa in this pick. Yes, they went out, they traded for D Ford, but when it comes down to it, the structure of his deal is really a one-year deal, and then you can really pay as you go on that contract. So what's better than having one really good pass rusher, Matt? It's two. It's Nick Bosa. What do you think? I'm with you, dude. I think it's Bosa all the way. And I was actually texting someone this morning. It was like, it feels like the top six picks are getting kind of easy to figure out. Um, of course, that could change with the trade, but I do think it's Bosa. I, I've said all along, if it's Quinn and Williams, um, we will be wrong about that, but happily wrong about it. Quinn and Williams is my top overall player in this class, and he is a fantastic defensive tackle. If you put him next to DeForest Buckner, like I'm excited about that. That is one of the best, at least potentially best, defensive line duos in the entire NFL. It gives you a ton of versatility, but... The pick should be Bosa, I think, because, you know, D Ford had a great year last year. He had a terrible year the year before that. Uh, he's not a consistent playmaker. He's someone that there are a lot of questions to his game. I think that's why they lean toward Bosa. Yeah, makes a ton of sense. Uh, next up, the New York Jets here. 
This might be where the NFL draft starts. I I mean, we're pretty locked in that Kyler Murray will go first overall to the Arizona Cardinals. Nick Bosa will go second overall to the 49ers. The New York Jets at three. They have an interesting decision to make here if they are even allowed to make it. Priority number one has to be trade back. That's all we've heard. Trade back, trade back, trade back. If they can't, Matt, where do they go with this pick? I I know this is going to break your heart. I honestly think that they go Josh Allen. If Nick Bose is there, obviously that's the pick. And we would once again sit there and say, how lucky are these damn New York Jets that guys like Jamal Adams and Sam Darnold just fall into their laps. But I think realistically, it, it, it should be Josh Allen. You know, they they struck out trying to get Anthony Barr in free agency. And I, I've said in my actual comp for Josh Allen in draft 400 was a better Anthony Barr. He could play off ball linebacker. He can rush incredibly productive, a top tier athlete. So I know it's maybe not the pick that you would want, but I, I do think, and, and maybe I'm maybe I'm being stubborn here, but I, I think edge rusher was such a big need that they missed on. So if they can't trade back, I think it would be Josh Allen. It's a huge need, but we've seen this team in the past go best player available approach, and that's why I'll stick by that. I think they'll take Quinton Williams in this spot. I think he's just his grade is too high to pass up. Now, talking about the trades is where things get very interesting. Would a team like the Cincinnati Bengals come up for a quarterback? The Denver Broncos. I think the most likely scenario or willing partner would be the Washington Redskins, and that's something we'll talk about when we get to them. But the bigger question is how far would the Jets be willing to go back or do they just take a premium player? And and what what team is trying to get ahead of Oakland? You know, because it has come out in recent days that the Raiders won't draft a quarterback in the first round. And and that's really where you're at because you don't need to go to three to get in front of the Giants for a quarterback. So if you're Cincinnati and you love Dwayne Haskins, and like you could trade to four, you could trade to five, or you could at least try to. Um, I, I do agree the Jets should be trying to trade back. This might be a tough year to find that dance partner to want to do that. Uh, speaking of the Oakland Raiders, man, three picks around one, and we're going to hit all three of those right here instead of going down the order at 24 and 27. At four, I've basically been told it's Quinton Williams or Devin White. Same. Whoever's in, in that order. If Quinton's on the board, he's the pick. If he's not, it'll be Devin White. Yeah, that's uh, that's the same for me. I don't. I haven't heard anything different between them, you know, between them, who they'll take. Uh, I know there's, you know, been some talk there from other people about quarterback, but we said that's obviously probably not happening here. And then at Oliver and players like that. But I truly think this is a two man race, a two man, not a horse race. Devin White's on the horse, but Quentin Williams is too talented where you can't pass up on him at four. They need franchise players. Now, what does this team look to do at 24 and 27? I think that's where we see them go corner or running back. Uh, And I'm not I'm not sure what order. Josh Jacobs makes a lot of sense at 24 out of Alabama. If the run on corners has not truly started, the Raiders could be in a great spot to get a guy like Byron Murphy from Washington. They might even be able to get Greedy Williams from LSU, depending again on where that run starts at the corner position. We're seeing those guys get pushed down as some of the offensive linemen move up the board. Some of the tight ends move up the board. Corner and wide receiver seem to be the two positions getting pushed. So I could see Josh Jacobs and then a corner like Byron Murphy being there at 24 and 27. And I'll reiterate something I said on a few shows ago. I still think this is a team very interested in Hollywood Brown, especially after those medical rechecks came back pretty, pretty sharp for him. So Hollywood Brown is definitely in play at the end of the first round for Oakland. Tampa Bay Buccaneers picking fifth in this draft. And I mean, this is one of those teams where everyone's been saying Devin White here for so long. So let's talk about something else here, Matt. What are their other options? Man, I think that they, their other options outside of Devin White would be a defensive lineman. Cheryl McCoy is getting older. The contract is a big issue there, so they could look to move on from him. Ed Oliver is definitely a name to keep in consideration. I think it's very unlikely Quinn and Williams would still be here. If he is, that's obviously a no-brainer pick. So if it's not Devin White, I would look at Ed Oliver or one thing I have heard is they like the defensive ends in this class. So it could it be Rashawn Gary, someone that can play defensive end or slide down and play inside. I know there's some debate about his best position. So I would expect this to be a pick in the front seven of the defense. And if it's if Devin White's there, let's pencil him in. If not, I think there's a debate about guys like Montez Sweat get into Rashawn Gary. And obviously your dude at Oliver. For sure. I, I think, you know, 
uh, Gerald McCoy possibly being cut here would definitely not open the door for a D-line because they could think that anyway. I think everybody's just kind of sitting, waiting, and seeing if their guy, Devin White, falls into their lap. The New York Giants, another team hoping somebody falls into their lap. And you and I both believe it's Dwayne Haskins. Everybody is saying Daniel Jones or whoever else, you know, down the board when they pick again at 17. But when you look at this New York Giants team, I think there's been a lot of smoke. I think they've played a lot of people. I think they've done it solely for the reason that they hope Dwayne Haskins is there at six. They don't have to move up and get him. That pick just makes way too much sense for the New York Giants who desperately need a future franchise quarterback. You know, I've said before on the show, Connor, that the guy in New York that used to talk is gone. And we made a lot of fun of the New York Giants because they were an easy team to predict. Like we always knew, knew they were going to draft because there was a mole in there and, and it was easy. You know, oh, they really like Leonard Floyd. Oh, they're definitely going to take Saquon Barkley. Like, we've known the Giants' picks. Jack um, Conklin. So they got jumped. Jack, right, exactly. So I think this is a year where we maybe don't know. And I think maybe Dave Gettleman and Kevin Abram are actually running a pretty good smokescreen campaign. I actually do think that at pick number six overall, it will be Dwayne Haskins. Now, I like to point out that I have eight days to change my mind on that. But, <laughs> and you'll use uh, all of those days? As of right now, I think it's Dwayne Haskins at six. And then at 17, I think they, they hope that there's a pass rusher there. Obviously, Montez Sweat's not going to be there. Rashawn Gary's not going to be there. Brian Burns, Cleveland Furl, those are the two names that I would be watching right now at 17. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting for the New York Giants. I, nobody really knows what direction they're going to go in. I think people are fearful that they'll you know, gladly take Daniel Jones later on. I think they need to prioritize this position, get the more talented player. And and I truly do believe the rumors that we've heard, even though we're some of the only ones that have heard them, this is a team that still has a lot of interest in the kid from Jersey, and that's Dwayne Haskins. Next up, Jacksonville Jaguars. You've been saying this one for a long time, so I'm going to let you run with it here. Yeah, I, I do think that it could be Juwan Taylor or a wide receiver. I'll throw that in there, that it could be a receiver, but... It makes the most sense. They've done a ton of work on Juwan Taylor. I've actually heard that they've probably done the most work on Juwan Taylor out of every team that he has visited with or interacted with. They have a big need at right tackle with Will Richardson, the guy there. They did bring in Cedric Abwehi in free agency, but his best position in the future might be as a swing tackle, somebody who can you know, kind of be that sixth player on the offensive line. So the, the amount of work they've done on Juwan Taylor makes it very difficult for me to separate him from this team at this time. The dark horse pick for me here is still TJ Hawkinson. I think when you look at Tom Coughlin, the type of player he'll want to draft Hawkinson, there's not really any holes in his game at the tight end position. So if they do not take Jawan Taylor or he surprisingly is already off the board, I do think TJ Hawkinson can come into play here. The Detroit lions next on the clock. I've heard this is a team that could be interested in trading out. I don't see how that's possible for here unless somebody wants to jump the Denver Broncos for Drew Locke. That one would still surprise me. So looking at position groups here that you've heard this team tied to, what do you got here, Matt? Yeah, you know, I've heard tight end or edge rusher, and you just mentioned TJ Hawkinson. I think he's an interesting name here. Even after they added Jesse James to free agency, I think they see him as a number two tight end. And and I'll go back to last year's draft where we had said, this is a team that would like to get better at tight end. And a lot of people kind of bucked against that because like, oh, well, we have this guy and this guy. And they wanted to get better at that spot. So I think you have to look at tight end. I I would also not rule out if Hawkinson's gone, them just getting an edge rusher to pair with Trey Flowers. I think Rashawn Gary's a name that's been popular there. Montez Sweat would be a really good fit as well. And another place that Rashawn Gary's name has been popular, I see you got it in the rundown here, the Buffalo Bills. Are you sold that they go D-line in this draft? You know, I think there's an outside shot they would go offensive line against someone like Jonah Williams. Me too. the, the intel that I heard, you know, as of last night when we prepped for the show was that they really believe that where they're at at nine, they could get lucky and one of these top defensive linemen could fall to them. And and it was pointed out to me this week uh, by, uh, oh, I'm a, I almost do that all the time, by a person who works highly <laughs> in an yeah. NFL team. The Bills signed a left guard, center, right guard, and right tackle in free agency, which makes a lot of people think, that they've freed themselves up to go get a pass rusher, and, and they they do need one. Like I like Harrison Phillips, I like Starlo to Lillet, but Starlo to Lillet is not going to be your ten to twelve sack three technique. You need to get someone in there who's younger and could be more of an impact. So this might be the spot for Ed Oliver. 
Yeah, they need a true quarterback hunter, we like to say. Somebody that can really just pin their ears back and, and get after it. And I think that is really something you don't find outside the top 15 picks very often unless there's injury concerns. So that adds up for the Buffalo Bills. I still am curious to see if Jonah Williams is just too good in this spot to pass up. The Denver Broncos, to round out this top 10 here, they are picking 10th overall. Going back to January, all we've heard about this team is that John Elway loves Drew Locke. That's pretty easy to believe when you look at his skill set. And I think this is where Drew Locke will fall. I know there's been some talk about maybe surprises in the top 10 taking him, maybe a team trading up for him. But I think he'll fall into the Broncos' lap. I don't think they'll panic here or give up any assets to go get him, and they will happily take Drew Locke off the board. I'm still with you on that one too, man. We've been saying it since... Before the Senior Bowl, maybe. Um, and, and at that time, there was talk. Maybe they would try to move up to get him. Drew Locke is a, a polarizing dude, man. His traits are fantastic. And as someone who liked Josh Allen a lot last year and really felt like Josh could clean up some of his issues, I, I feel the same way about Drew Locke. That with the right coaching, and he's he's actually working out with, with Jordan Palmer, who helped Josh Allen. I think he could be ironed out. You don't want to take away the fun aspect of his game with the mobility and some of the gunslinger type throws, but the the arm strength, the pocket mobility, he he can do special things. And that's exactly what the Broncos need right now. Someone that can take charge of that offense and be that spark plug that they need so badly. All right, Connor, where we left off the Denver Broncos, we both just said quarterback is what we're hearing. Let's get to the the Cincinnati. My goodness, Cincinnati Bengals. One thing that I have really started to hear within the last week, so buyer beware on this information, is that (laughs) they like Dwayne Haskins, and they could be the team that pulls the trigger on him. If if the New York Giants don't, then I, I think that Cincinnati will be the team that does it. This, to me, Matt, is the team in the draft that no one is talking about that they should be talking about because I think the Bengals have a chance to flip this draft upside down if they're aggressive enough because you look where they sit at 11, that's no man's land if you want a quarterback because you have to worry about the Broncos, you have to worry about the Giants, and we believe that the Arizona Cardinals are already taking the best one in this draft in Kyler Murray. So you don't want to be the team sitting there at 11 that's stuck with Daniel Jones, and I don't believe they would reach for him anyway in that scenario because they have a new head coach who will be given the uh, required time to build this roster, this offense, the way that he should. So are the Bengals going to be aggressive and try to go up and get their guy? And like you said, I believe you, Matt, that that guy would be Dwayne Haskins. Here's where it gets interesting. I don't think the cost to move up is is as expensive as it was last year. I think they can go up to three with the New York Jets and find the appropriate deal. Or maybe even if you just want to, skip the Giants, you'd make a deal with the Bucks, who probably would gladly move back a couple of spots to continue to build out that roster with more picks. So how aggressive are the Bengals going to get is my biggest question now as we are less than 10 days out from draft night. Yeah, and I think let's, you know, maybe this is where we talk about your New York Jets. If the Bengals want to get crazy and go up and get a guy at three to make sure they get Haskins, this is actually a pretty good spot for the Jets to trade back to because you could still get Montez Sweat Ryan most likely. You could probably, uh, I, I think you could probably trade back twice and get Brian Burns. Yeah. You you mentioned something about Daniel Jones, though, man. And and I don't, I don't know how much of this is just that I don't want to believe it, but there are a lot of people who think he's going to go high. And I, I don't. 15, I mean, right? I know you don't. I know Melo doesn't. None of us think he should. But, I think he will, and, though. Yeah. I mean, I think he could come off the board in this block of picks that we're talking about right here. I'm with you all the way. I I'm, don't think it's crazy at all. I do think it's crazy that it shouldn't happen, but I've heard it for so long. Like before the senior bowl, there were people telling me watch Daniel Jones because everyone loves him. Like mm-hmm. they believe that he didn't have receivers, that there's a lot of drops on the film, that his offensive line couldn't block. That And he- I will say I charted him last week. Yeah. I finished charting him. And I agree. He had more drops than anyone in college. For sure. Had to, or in this draft class at least. It's a piece of the puzzle. Now, I don't think he has the traits that warrant being a top 10 pick. That's my issue. I agree. I agree completely. But I will speak to what Matt just said. Everyone you talk to in the league believes Daniel Jones is going in the top 15 of this draft. Everyone. Yeah. So, And I believe even Jim Nagy, who's been on the show a ton of times, has said on Twitter... Like Jones is much more liked in the scouting and NFL executive world than he is on media and Twitter scouting. Yep. So, and that's how the draft falls. 
Green Bay Packers right after the Bengals here. I actually really like the spot the Packers are in in this draft. It leaves the door open for them, though, which makes it very difficult. What rumors, positions, or trades, what are you hearing around the Green Bay Packers here? And will Aaron Rodgers be happy? Uh, No, he won't be. Um, I will say trade back is something that has started to heat up that maybe they would like to move back. They pick at 12 and 30. So I will say this. I was just told they want to trade back. That could be at 30. That could be, hey, let's get out of round one. And we'll let somebody else come up and we'll we'll pick early on, on day two. But tight end and wide receiver are the two positions that you hear most frequently. This could be where Noah Fant comes off the board. This could be where DK Metcalf comes off the board. So I do believe they're looking for a big target to pair with Devontae Adams to really help out Aaron Rodgers. And I still really like the fit of A.J. Brown with this team, too. And maybe that's something where they could sit there at 30 and see which one of those Ole Miss wide receivers, if any, falls into their lap. So Green Bay, a team that set themselves up very nicely heading to this draft with as much options on the table as anyone. They're a very hard team for us to figure out right now closely. The Miami Dolphins, a team that uh, we'll tell you, we know it. They're in full rebuild mode. They know it. Yep. You know They're not going to come out and say, hey, we're just blowing this thing up or shutting it down. They are looking at the 2020 quarterbacks that start with Justin Herbert, you know, Tua Tungavailoa, but they got to take someone this year. Now, of course, you'd love to just get more picks and kick (laughs) the can down the road. When you're picking 13, that's not really the kind of scenario that sets you up for that. So the Miami Dolphins, we've said it on every mock draft Monday. This is a team where best pass rusher scenario kind of falls into play with Brian Flores' mindset. I think I had Montez Sweat fall to them. I think so. On Mock yeah. Draft Monday, which is not insane. Anything could happen. The Brian Burns territory. Now, here's the one I want to post to you, Matt. Are they a candidate to take Jeffrey Simmons? Oh, man. I think that's still early for him with the. You can redshirt him. With the knee and the video. It's tough. Um, that's a great question. I wasn't prepared for that. I usually know where you're going. Uh, they could, man. They definitely could. Uh, we saw this team, this ownership group, take a chance on Laramie Tunsil. They've taken chances on uh, character guys in free agency before. So they could. What I was going to say is that I think this might be our sleeper Daniel Jones team. Oh, God. Like, like a, a very conservative, <laughs> pretty accurate quarterback who plays from within the pocket. Like I could see Chad O'Shea. And those guys be like, you know what? We might we not might not be in Tua territory next year. And, and Tua's not a sure thing. You know, you might not be in Jake Fromm territory. You might not be in Jacob Easton territory or Justin Herbert. This might be our Daniel Jones sleeper, dude. Man, that would be I mean, as a Jets fan, you'd be so happy. Of course, but also like that's just not I have more faith in their scouting staff than that. But now that you've said it, I mean I'm not gonna be I like that I can mentally prepare for all these scenarios. Now that I'm on the night one desk, I'm like, okay, keep it in check. Like, keep it in check. So that'd be interesting for the Dolphins. If I were them, I would wait till 2020. I think they could do much better there, and I think they'll be picking highly enough to do so. The Atlanta Falcons, we've been saying on Mock Draft Mondays, the dream scenario for this team is that Jonah Williams falls right into their lap. I know that they signed James Carpenter, but they truly need an interior offensive line piece of the future. I could see this being Cody Ford range. But on the other side of the ball, Matt, what are you thinking? Yeah, man, I, I think this is a really interesting team um, because we don't have a they don't have a huge need, right? So I, I think you almost say best player available. But again, I've heard edge or D line uh, is most likely at edge. It's interesting because they have Vic Beasley and they have Tack McKinley, and I don't think they're ready to give up on Vic Beasley. Um, so I could see this being a defensive lineman, like if if by some way, shape, or form, Ed Oliver falls there, you know, and and. Could they pair him with Grady Jarrett? They absolutely could. I think this is a sneaky spot for Christian Wilkins, who I think teams are a little bit higher on than I am. But you pair those two dudes together, and you have a rock-solid defensive line group. I'm with you all the way. And you know Dan Quinn, uh, he'll sign up for that any day of the week. So the Falcons are a team that best defender available should not shock anyone. Now, one of the most interesting teams not picking in the top 10 or will they be the Washington Redskins? Oof, man, all I've heard with this team is that they love Dwayne Haskins. I think they need to. Maybe they're the ones starting the rumors that he's not going in the top 10. Who knows? I don't maybe. know. But when it comes down to it, I think the biggest buzz I've heard around them is a potential trade up for Dwayne Haskins. 
So I have not heard that. I'll be honest with you. I haven't because I think everyone assumes they're going to try to trade for Josh Rosen. Yes. So, so I think one that's domino before the other. Right. And so that's, that's the thing you have to figure out. Okay. Well, if Kyler goes one, they are the most likely team to pony up to get Josh Rosen. I, I have still heard the chargers were somewhat interested in that, but I, I think they want to get a quarterback, you know? So they're the team that is probably going to be the most desperate and that could mean a trade up. It could mean a trade for a Josh Rosen, but that'll that'll be interesting to see if if Haskins does start a little bit of a slide. Do they try to get up there and get it done? It's fascinating to see where Rosen goes. I'm still going with the Chargers there. I don't know if the Giants' interest is as high as we once thought. I think the Chargers make a lot of sense for life after Philip Rivers. But something that you've said on this show is that Philip Rivers hasn't been open to that in the past to having his successor on the roster. So. That's one thing that would that would have to change. But I'll still go with the Chargers for Josh Rosen. The Carolina Panthers, I mean, this is another team where this is another version of no man's land. And not it quarterback really is, no man. man's land. This is talent no man's land because this is where the true high-end graded players are expected to be off the board. So will they be comfortable taking an Andre Dillard type player unless one of those pass rushers fall to them? So I think I'm glad you said that because Andre Dillard is who I was going to say here because if a defensive end doesn't fall, they could go after Cleveland Farrell. Totally could. I I think Andre Dillard's stock is much higher among teams than it is among guys like us who see strength deficiency and not a lot of, you know, power and pop in the run game. Teams see a very good pass protector. And, you know, he's going to play left tackle. Most teams are right-handed when they run anyway. So it's like, well, how much are we going to really run behind this dude? To begin with, so I think Andre Dillard is going to come off the board in the teens, and this is probably the best spot for him. He's the Daniel Jones of the O-line group, and I don't mean that as an insult where it's like he's going early and he shouldn't. He's just the guy where you probably, like most boards will have him 20 spots behind where he'll go. And that's just the value of a left tackle, a pass-protecting left tackle. It's as simple as that. So Andre Dillard is a very interesting piece in the top 20 of this draft, and I think this is really where he starts to become a factor. He's one of those dominoes, right? Yes. Like where he comes in and he's one of those guys that will really mess up my mock draft because you'll like, you're like, okay, well I'm going to put him in like the 23 to Houston range and he's going to go 16 or 18. And I'm going to be like, Oh man, like this is one of those just like weird picks that throws everything off for sure. And it, it feels like it's the offensive line where that happens. So often yeah, teams are not is. afraid to reach at that position. Understandably. So, 17 was supposed to be the Cleveland Browns and said they got a pretty good player in Odell Beckham Jr. Not bad. Not a bad trade, but they are still going to be uh, participants in this NFL draft. <laughs> Where do you think they go in round two? Yeah, we got to wait until uh, a ways into the draft to see what they do. But I have heard that strong safety is still an area that they want to address. They traded Jabril Peppers. I actually think they can get a better strong safety in round two than what they had in Jabril Peppers. Jonathan so, Abram? I don't think Jonathan Abrams there, but here's one I want to throw out there at you, dude. Taylor. Rapp. Oh, love it. He, he could God, fall, right? That's all we've heard. It's like Taylor Rapp could fall. He didn't run well. Taylor Rapp could fall. The Browns are smart enough to be like, I don't care what he ran in the 40. I've watched this guy play football for three years and he's a beast. I'm going to take him. And like that is three kind of short shuttle times were elite. Like John Dorsey is smart enough to be like, nope good at football, we're going to take him. He's going to start for eight years. I mean, that would be an amazing pick for them. And that seems like a Dorsey pick where, like you just said, like the, they're not afraid of the 40 time. They'll trust the film because it's it's that good with Taylor Rapp. And also intangibles is something that we don't talk about enough with Taylor Rapp. He has the type of character right. makeup that can really shoot him up boards. This next team, the Minnesota Vikings, I feel like we say every mock draft Monday, so nobody should should be surprised. I mean, this is the home of Cody Ford, right? It is. Um, it absolutely is. Like, this is, just put his name in there. And I think we have in most mock drafts. The only thing that would keep that from happening is if someone, you know, like Atlanta or Carolina drafts him earlier than this. But this just feels like the right range for Cody Ford. He's taken a lot of visits with teams between 10 and 18, I believe. So this actually might be the floor to where he's drafted, but it, it just is too good of a fit not to happen. This is 
He is exactly what they need, whether it's right tackle or right guard, a power player. He's going to keep Kirk Cousins clean. He's going to open up rushing lanes. One thing I've heard about them for round two that is really interesting, though, is they've done a lot of work on running backs. And I remember saying this a few years ago about the Chicago Bears. It's like the Bears had done a lot of work on Alvin Kamara. And he told me that. It's like, I've spent more time with the Bears than anyone else, man. And they, but they, Jordan Howard had just had that good rookie year. So he's like, why would the Bears take a running back? And then they took Tariq Cohen a little bit later. And now Tariq Cohen's the starter. And Jordan Howard's in Philly. So even though the Vikings have Dalvin Cook, they are doing their diligence hardcore on the running backs in this class. It adds up. I mean, listen, he has not stayed healthy enough where you can rely on him. And that's what coaches care about the most. Tennessee Titans, yeah. everything I've heard with this team is edge pass rusher. Here's my problem with that, Matt. I don't know if one will be available here. I really don't. No, like, I don't would, either. Would they be comfortable taking Chase Winovich here? I don't think no, so. No, no, no. I no, think right? so. I, I think he's going to go more end of round two. So I, it's tough because I think Vrabel recognizes the need for edge pass rusher, but I just, there's no one to even really reach on in this spot. If they were going to go edge, I think they would take Jalen Ferguson. Me too. I, I think teams are actually, not teams, People are starting to sleep on him. We I always joke about the three cone. Yeah. I don't it, I don't think he's making it outside the top fifty. I want to be clear. No, with that. either. So no, too good. He's the career leader in sacks. And like his the three cone was bad. Everything else he does is good. Converts speed and, to power. Right, exactly. Which is hard to do. Um I I also think this could be the Hollywood Brown landing spot. They've done a lot of work on receivers, and I don't think they would go the DK Metcalf route after the fact that Corey Davis really hasn't been that type of playmaker they wanted him to be. So I could see them going a little bit safer, going Marquise Brown, putting him outside. You got Adam Humphreys in the slot, but I would also keep an eye on Jeffrey Simmons because I know before the injury, they loved him. So keep an eye on him as maybe a surprise. Yeah, this is probably where his name has to come into the conversation. He's just too talented. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they will be looking for more talent on the defense. I know you have cornerback with this team over and over again. I want to throw one at you that I've heard tied to them that might surprise some people besides you, because you've been over this guy being a first rounder for a while. Rocky sin. Ooh, that's my guy. He has their profile, like the length and physicality they look for in a corner. I I mean, he's better than Artie Burns was. So that's, yeah. Um, Or do you think, do you think this is greedy conversation? If greedy has already come off the board, it Rocky Sin is definitely fit. So is DeAndre Baker, but I, I do think this is where Greedy comes off. Um, and they they need that. They need they need size. They need physicality. I don't know why Greedy has like not gotten the love he's deserved in this class. Maybe because he hates to tackle, but he's so good in coverage. He tested very well in terms of speed. I, I think it's a great spot for him. <clears throat> and I'm going to save you here as Matt slowly dies yeah. off. Into the, I'm just kidding. Oh, man. man. All right. We're going to take a break and then we'll round out the rest of these rumors for the teams picking in the back end of round one. Next up, the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, thank God they're not looking for a quarterback with this. Oh, pick. man. The yeah. Russell Wilson deal is done. Now, what do they do to build this team around him? Man, I think it goes back to the defensive line. What made this team great when they were making those Super Bowl runs? There's been talk they could trade Frank Clark, so I think Cleveland Farrell is definitely in conversation here. This could be a Jeffrey Simmons landing spot. Could definitely be a Christian Wilkins landing spot. I've heard D-line, and it, it definitely makes sense with the way things are pairing up this in, in the draft order with the tackles go, getting pushed up. I, I think some of these defensive linemen are going to push down to this spot here. And this is a team with only four picks, I think, in the entire draft. That's correct. So a trade down makes yes. a lot of sense here. That um, if they could find one. Right. Not that's easy, the hard part. Not easy to do. The Baltimore Ravens, is this where we starting to get into Garrett Bradbury range? It is. Yeah. If he's if he's on the board. He said it with um, sadness. <laughs> like, no, yeah. Follow the man, Chiefs. Follow the Chiefs. I, right. It, it definitely is where we start to talk about Garrett Bradbury. Minnesota, and I should have said this then, but my voice was just dying. Minnesota could be a fit at 18. I think Baltimore at 22 is the, the next most likely spot for him. And God, what a great fit. It just feels like a Ravens pick. An excellent pick. And and one that, like you said, it is a great fit. It would help Lamar Jackson in this scenario. So I think when you look at the Ravens, 
they're in a weird spot where somebody, this is probably like starting to get to the end of the range where a really, really talented player could fall. That just gets overlooked. And they usually jump at those players falling. Yeah. They've been great at that. So, all right. They the, built a Super Bowl contender, almost a dynasty off that. Of players. Yeah, a guy named Ed Reed. Not too bad. Yeah, not so, bad. The Houston Texans, this one seems almost too easy. Offensive line, I know you've been a firm believer that they can go offensive tackle here. This could yeah. be the Andre Dillard range. Do you think somebody will actually fall to them, though, this far down the board? I, th- I think that is, without a doubt, the hard part of, like, does Andre Dillard fall or do they have to reach for a Craig Little, a Dalton Reisner? I know they want to go offensive line. I think we have to look at the possibility that they would go secondary as well. Uh, losing Kevin Johnson, losing Tyron Matthew. I love Justin Reed, the potential that he has at free safety. But I, I think if there's not an offensive lineman that they like, that's where you move on to, okay, it, it, let's take that you know first safety or let's take that first corner off the board and try to turn the back end of this defense into a strength. And I, I'll add, since we're talking about Houston, there are still talks that Jadavian Clowney could be traded. But it's going to take probably three picks to get it done. And then you're going to have to pay him $15 million a year. So it's just a matter of who out there wants to do that. Yeah, I'm curious if they use him as a piece to try to move up to get that offensive line that they covet so badly. I also think this is the beginning of Byron Murphy range at this pick. So another team that will have to wait a little bit or a lot of bit, the oh, Chicago yeah. Bears. What are they going to do in round three? It seems like such a ridiculous question to ask, but... We are yeah, here. welcome to yeah. welcome to stick to football bears fans. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, we right? miss we, we do miss you. I want to be honest. Yeah, we love you guys. Uh round three, I think two positions you look at corner or running back. Even with Mike Davis coming in, even with Tariq Cohen back there, I've heard they're still doing a lot of work on the running backs, but corner makes the most sense for this team. Um obviously, you know, they they have they have some players in that secondary. Eddie Jackson has been phenomenal as a mid round pickup. They brought in Buster Screen. Uh, Kyle Fuller, a guy they believe in, gave a big contract too not that long ago, but they need more depth at the corner position. So I, I would look at that around. Th- it's hard to predict round three, but I would definitely look at that. Yeah, and that's kind of the sweet spot where the developmental corners might still be on the board. Maybe you kind of have a guy like Sean Bunting or maybe a Julian Love falls down to there. Somebody's got to fall out of this corner group. Trayvon Mullen. We'll see. And the Bears might be looking to capitalize. You know I love him. I know you do. So the Philadelphia Eagles, a team that has done very well in the entire offseason process recently. And we've talked about Josh Jacobs going there. I've talked about Chauncey Gardner-Johnson going there. But I see you have something different in here for the Philadelphia Eagles. What are you hearing? Man, wide receiver is what I'm hearing. Nelson Aguilar is someone they've tried to trade. He's a free agent next year. Even bringing in uh, Deshaun Jackson. It's an older guy, 32 years old. He'll turn 33 this season. That's past the breaking point for most receivers. So get some help in there. You know, they they brought in Greg Ward from the AAF. They got Mac Hollins back there still. But they need to surround Alshon Jeffrey and Zach Ertz with more weapons because, you know, Carson Wentz, God, I hope he gets healthy because I love watching him play. He needs some playmakers. And I think that's one thing that they understand that defense could roll out right now and be good, be really good, in fact. But they have to get better at wide receiver. And I think it's a vertical threat because I think, you know, I know they tried to trade for Robbie Anderson at right. the deadline last year. They offered a fourth-round pick that I think could become a three. The Jets were like, no, he's way better than that, and he is. And I think it just goes to show you that the Eagles will be very proactive on finding a vertical target, and maybe this is where that area starts. I would normally think they're a team that would, you know, think about the Jeffrey Simmons gamble here, but I think they also want to get back to their win now mentality, which makes me wonder if that would be the pick. So, I mean, him and Fletcher Cox, whoa, like that yeah, would be right. That Jesus. would be something. And speaking of Jeffrey Simmons, let's just let you run away with uh, our friends here in the Indianapolis Colts. This is where, if I could bet, and I think I actually can, if I could bet on where Jeffrey Simmons goes, this is it. Chris Ballard is brave enough to do it if Simmons is on the board because they have pick at 34 where they could still get a wide receiver. They could still get a safety. I think Jeffrey Simmons could be the guy. Now, if he's off the board, I would put the rest of that money on Jonathan Abram. I think he is a perfect fit, physical enforcer and alpha, great character guy, hard ass hitter. So I think it'll be defense. 
Simmons, if he's available, Abram, if he's not. I, I think both of those picks just are the classic, classic Chris Ballard, Ed Dodds kind of picks right there. And it would be fun to see Simmons come back for a postseason run and really, oh, yeah. really ignite. We saw that offensive line just dominate at times last year. It'd be fun to see it on the defensive side of the ball. And if you know those old school guys that are building that team, they're going to look to do it from the trenches. So I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Jeffrey Simmons right there. The Dallas Cowboys, a team, another one. We never get to talk about them on Stick to Football since they got a guy named Amari Cooper, another trade that looks pretty damn good. But round two, they got to get somebody on the defensive side of the ball here. They have some holes to fill. I think they're hoping a safety falls to them. Who do you think it is, Matt? Yeah, I, I think they are hoping that a safety falls to them. It could be your guy, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Um, I, I know you love him. Mello loves him. Uh, I, I like him a decent bit, but we could see him take a little bit of a tumble. It could be Juan Thornhill, Nasir Adderley, Deontay Thompson. There are several safeties in that you know top 50 range that could fall to the Dallas Cowboys. They could be in a great position to get one of the one of the guys that we all liked and thought might be fringe first rounders. And then, you know, maybe it was poor testing. Maybe it's injuries. Maybe it's a tweener label. We'll push them down the board. But I, I do think safety uh, is where we would expect them to go or defensive line. You know, defensive tackle position is still one that I think they've wanted to address. There are questions that, you know, even with Tank Lawrence now locked up, Taco Charlton didn't look very good. Robert Quinn is an older guy who came in as a free agency. Randy Gregory suspended again or still, however you want to look at that. Yeah. So we could see the defensive line get a bit of an upgrade, too, if somebody falls. I think the dark horse here is, too, they did bring in Nicole Hardman for a visit, and their pick in round two is kind of his sweet spot. Unless they're praying that he falls, I think they might be looking for some vertical help, too. So I yeah. wouldn't rule out Nicole Hardman. The Chargers, I already said what I believe with them. I don't think they'll trade the first rounder for Josh Rosen, but I do think they would trade picks for Josh Rosen. But how are they going to attack this first round where they have some obvious needs on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, um, I, it's funny. You guys know I'm a, a note taker, and I made this list of, I think it was about two weeks ago, of what I thought each team was doing based on what I heard. I tried to like go down the line, and I had wrote down for the Chargers corner, and now, fast forward two weeks, that's still exactly what I'm hearing, that they would love for one of these corners to fall. And, you know, we've talked a lot for them about offensive line play, but if you think about, like, how they've prioritized the line, Tom Telesco's never been a guy that's like, let's let's panic and draft offensive linemen. He feels pretty good about the guys that he has. In the secondary, however, you know, last year they got Derwin James. Casey Hayward is an all-pro, but, you know, Jason Rett never panned out. He's in San Francisco now. Desmond King is a slot guy. They could use another outside corner. And for a team that probably runs multi-DB sets more than anyone, you know, they go nickel and dime a lot. They need another corner. So I would look at someone like Rocky Sin, DeAndre Baker, Trayvon Mullen, maybe Byron Murphy. This is kind of the range for those guys. Now, I don't even know how much we have to talk about this next one with the Kansas City Chiefs <laughs> because we've done it so much. Yeah. Is this the... I just can't see Garrett Bradbury making it here. I hate. I can no. only say it when Melo's not on the show because I wouldn't want to break his heart during the show. Right. I'd be very surprised to see him fall this far. Same. Now, I would not be surprised if Elton Jenkins were the pick if they were determined to go center, like we've said before, because I think you have to worry about Jenkins or Eric McCoy falling to 61 where they pick again. So we could see that interior offensive line here. Could also see corner, and that is the most logical fit. I think there's a belief that they have patched the holes on the defensive line with Alex Okafor, with Emmanuel Ogba coming in via a trade. Would I be shocked if Kansas City called Seattle and said, we'll give you 29-63 oh, yes. and a pick next year Frank from Frank Clark. Clark? I would not be surprised. But it again, it's like clowning. It's going to take three picks, and you're going to have to give him $15 million a year. They didn't want to do that with D Ford, and I supported that move. I would do that with Frank Clark. I think he's one of the best young pass rushers in football. So Brett Veach is an aggressive, fun, somewhat crazy general manager. He makes our jobs frustrating at times, but I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, we see the board start to fall out on Thursday night. And he's like, you know what? I could trade this pick for an all pro pass rusher, or I could draft a corner who may or may not start for us. And I'll piggyback off that. I know they have had legitimate interest in him. Like, there is legitimate, legitimate ties to that. So the question is, is Seattle willing to get it done? Because all I've heard is that if Frank Clark doesn't get his extension, he will not show up to camp on time on the franchise tag. 
So maybe that's where Kansas City can really start to leverage that deal. They would be serious, serious players for him. The New Orleans Saints, they were super aggressive last year in getting Marcus Davenport, so they will Who not... Who did nothing. Yeah, oof, I, don't, I don't know about that one. I would like to go back and listen to our grades on that one, because I feel like we weren't... We'll see. I, I'm not going to kill I should say, he had, t- he had four and a half sacks, but he barely played, so I shouldn't yeah. say he did nothing. It just but... seems like an overpay for someone like that, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll let it play out. They still have picks in this draft to figure things out. This is a team that's always been aggressive about adding wide receivers, and, and, and what do you think they could do in this draft to do that? Yeah, it's tough because, you know, they don't pick until 60, uh, 62 overall. My goodness. So it's good for wide at, receivers this year, though. That's what I was going to say. This is a great spot for wide receivers. You know that Stick to Football loves Miko Hartman. I actually think he could be on the board here. Uh, Terry McLaren could be on the board. Riley Ridley could be. Kelvin Harmon. Our guy, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. This is a very good spot for wide receivers. If there happens to be a run ahead of this spot, I could see them doubling down on the interior offensive line. Um, the the bad news about that is the secret is out on this interior <laughs> offensive line class, and they're probably all going to go in the top fifty. Oh, they're going. So you could get you could get stuck with like a not to say he's a bad player, but like Connor McGovern, you know, might be a guy that could be there late in round two that you would look at and say, okay, he could come in and be an impact player for us at offensive guard. Is Chris Lindstrom going to go in that group that get, there's a run on? So I'm glad you asked about him. Chris Lindstrom has a chance to go first round to a team that wants to be an outside zone. Yes, good mover. Purely outside zone team. So if he goes first round, he is not there on my board because he's scheme specific. So, so purely scheme specific. But it could happen just because, I mean, he gets to the second level beautifully. He just has no power when he gets there. So it wouldn't be a shock for him to go first round. But if he dipped into the middle of round two, I wouldn't be shocked either. And for anyone that missed it, uh, Stick to Football released a short on Tuesday, my sit-down with Gerald Willis, and that's who he said was the toughest offensive lineman he faced. He said he said Chris Lindstrom. His quickness, man. Yeah, is... he's like, he gave me a lot of problems. He goes, I hope to see him in the NFL. <laughs> so yeah. uh, really, really good player that's a highly respected player. The Los Angeles Rams, a team very familiar with those New Orleans Saints, I've been saying I wouldn't be shocked to see them move this pick for an asset that can help them win now. If they yeah. can't, what do they do? You know, I think a number of, of things, and one thing that I heard even just this week was that they would look to improve the interior offensive line. John Sullivan has gone. They need help at offensive guard. We've all along thought, all right, this would be a team that would go corner or they would go uh, and look at maybe a defensive lineman. You know, they've lost some guys with... And Dominican Sustoff, there's a free agent. I actually think he could come back uh, on a, a team-friendly deal. They kept Dante Fowler. Michael Brockers is going to play more defensive end. So it was kind of a defensive tackle or, you know, what else? Because they've checked so many boxes. So I would keep an eye on the offensive guards. You just mentioned Chris Lindstrom. This could be where he comes off the board and would be, I, I think, a really good fit in that particular offensive scheme. Finally, New England Patriots here. I know we've talked so much about, you know, now life after Gronkowski. I know you said on the Monday show that this is a team that does have some holes on the defensive line. Before I let you run away with both of those talking points, (laughs) one thing I've heard with this team is that they will still always look to add to the secondary. So it is a secondary that's gotten a little older. I know Stephon Gilmore has been an absolute stud, but he he can't play every single spot. So I, I wouldn't be shocked to see the Patriots take a stab at corner here. But, um, if they don't, what are you thinking? They are one of the hardest teams because they also have, like, they're the best team in the NFL, obviously, but they have one of the smallest staffs. And the guys who are there are so damn loyal. Getting someone in New England to talk is not an easy thing to do. So I'll preface by saying that I, I look at this team, uh, like you said, Connor, I wouldn't be surprised if they went to the secondary. I wouldn't be surprised if they went tight end. The problem with tight end is we know TJ Hawkinson is going to be gone. We expect Noah Fant to be gone. I don't personally think that Irv Smith or Dawson Knox are worthy of a pick at 32 overall. So if someone fell, it could be tight end. I think defensive line makes a lot of sense for them. They have tried to draft a lot on the D-line at tackle and edge over the past few years, and it hasn't worked out. And I said this on Mock Draft Monday. Lawrence Guy and Mike Pennell are your starting defensive tackles for a team that loves versatility up front. That's not going to get it done. So I think whether it's Christian Wilkins, Dexter Lawrence, like those, that second group of defensive linemen, if someone were to fall here, 
I think the Patriots could be a splash team to take one. But also, having said that, they have 12 picks in this draft. So they can be very aggressive if they want to move up to get if a Jeffrey Simmons starts to fall. This could be an LJ Collier spot. Jerry Tillery has had some late first-round conversations happening. So there are four to five D tackles who could be there. But I wouldn't rule out a trade either. I was just like cheering for you inside my head as your voice started to go. But Starts kept, to go out, You man, kept powering through. You had so many options to get through. I know. The show was a lot of fun because I think it presents all the options on the table for teams, and I always like to look back at the show after and see who surprised us and, you know, where nothing surprised us <laughs> when it comes yeah, down to it. This there'll is be a fun, fun one to listen to yes, after the draft. There'll be plenty of those. So I always love when our listeners go back and listen to the shows and say, hey, you guys were right about this. You were wrong about this. It's always a lot of fun. So, Another great rumors show. I think we've done this every year since Stick to Football started, so we'll have to go yeah. find those old ones. And, dude, we're getting close. We're just about here. It's, I mean, really, I'm going to be sitting in studio here with you soon during draft week. For- One week from today when we're recording, you and I will be together. I'll be spreading my germs all over you. Not in the studio. You'll be spreading your germs on, uh, hopefully, our surprise guest for the oh, that's Tuesday right. night event. Yes, we do not have to record a show during the day next Tuesday because we will. Oh, be I'm live. sleeping all day. We will That's be live great. at night. Yes, you could stay in your hotel, stay away from me. Uh, you actually <laughs> know that that I I love to do that because you know I have kids and like a, a very stressful job. There are a lot of times I get to New York and I'm like Connor, do you need me? Because if not, no, like no. I'm staying in my hotel, dude. That's fine with me. It does. I would do the same thing when I travel. I'm just like trying to hibernate and then save all my energy for those work hours. So yeah, you have to, man. That's our Especially, show, man this time of year yeah that is our show thank you everybody for allowing my voice to suck i'm sure some of you are like why did this guy not just call in today but it's too important this time of year um and and i would miss it i would i would hate to like not sit here on a tuesday morning and talk to connor and talk to you guys so we will be back friday morning we have a fun show planned um working on a, a mystery guest that we'll also have for that one so man it's it's gonna be a fun week and i'm excited to get the crew together friday morning for a great show Make sure you subscribe to Stick to Football on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. And like Connor said, look us up on your smart speaker. We'll talk to you guys again Friday morning. 